I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone. What is up? It is me, Ewan, from What Culture, joined today by Ben Roy Turner. Say hello, Ben Roy. Grogu. Grogu. Yes, it is Grogu time because we're here today to talk about The Mandalorian Chapter 13 is another installment of the What Culture Star Wars podcast. And for the duration of The Mandalorian Season 2, myself and Ben Roy have been taking the opportunity to go and have a deep dive into each episode and really unpack the nitty-gritty details. And this episode, obviously, there will be major spoilers ahead. So if you haven't seen it and you don't wish to be spoiled, then you should probably skip that a lot of here. But yeah, this episode was a big old doozy, wasn't it, Ben Roy? Uh, it was almost like that they, the other two episodes that we sort of complained about and not having enough on them. This was like <laughs> shavings off of that. This, this had so much in it. It's probably the best episode of the entire show so far. Right? I agree. I agree. I, th- I think it's the best episode they've done yet. Yeah. Um, it's also one of the best Star Wars things up there at the moment. Like, of course, there's recency biased at the moment, I'd say. But when it all settles a bit, I think this is still going to be up there as like, oh, this is this is Star Wars sort of like running, not on all, on all cylinders, but still on a budget and still sort of like all, all cylinders, but restrained to the point where it's just just in that nice spot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that really stood out to me with this episode is that it was Dave Filoni's return to, you know, The Mandalorian. Obviously, he directed, I think it was one or two episodes of season one. I can't remember how many he did. Um, But, you know, obviously very instrumental in the animated side of things for Lucasfilm. You know, he was basically George Lucas's right-hand man throughout the Clone Wars and then moving on to stuff like Star Wars Rebels and stuff. And he really is the flag bearer for the franchise, I kind of want to say. And obviously with Ahsoka Tano being his creation, it was great to see him have the opportunity to marshal her experiences on screen in live action for the first time ever. So um, obviously do a little bit of context right now for this episode, chapter 13, obviously picks up where the last one left off where, you know, Din and the child were going off to Corvus to try and find Ahsoka Tano. And this episode wastes no time at all in introducing us to Ahsoka. We get a really great sequence earlier on, which is basically um, Ahsoka fending off a bunch of militia men at a local yeah. compound. Um, and she cuts through them like a ghostly warrior. I really like the idea of Jedi being depicted not just as noble warriors, but for ages, you know, we've kind of heard them being 
referred to as like space wizards or whatever. Ahsoka in this episode has like a witchy quality, quality to her. I mentioned in the review that the actual woods outside of the fortress kind of reminded me of Burnham Wood from Macbeth um, in the sense that it was very haunted and atmospheric and stuff. And she kind of dissolves into the fog like a witch and she's just taking them all down and stuff. And obviously, you know, Rosario Dawson does a great job uh, in the role and you get to see the, the twin white lightsabers in live action and oh my God, um, before we get into like just the how good the episode is and like a, a filmic level or just how good the story was, we do have to acknowledge just how great a crowd pleasing moment it is to see Ahsoka in live action. Yeah, um, it's funny you said you've got Macbeth vibes from this. I got something a little more um, divisive. I got uh, Rise of Skulker, Kylo Ren running through the woods, slashing mm. up. Uh, people at the beginning of that film and for a second I thought that this was going to be the same planet then after a bit of googling while watching the episode I was like oh that was that was Mustafar what what and mm. then after going through this though but after that slight distraction seeing Ahsoka on screen and having it look so good like actually not like uh, there's a chance of this looking like bad cosplay or something like that or just there were so many sort of like for having a character that's so beloved and so sort of like known and how old is Ahsoka the character in our sphere at this point? Like, like, like pretty old. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you only really have one chance to sort of like, you know, do this in live action and make the right sort of approach and they hit it out of the park and all from the performances to how it was shot and how it, everything was presented, like from Ahsoka, Ahsoka's now in there, like she's going to be exposed because I think there must be more, people that watch the Mandalorian or a different set of people should say it's so crude the character is now going to be exposed to so many mm. and it's just good it's all in all it's just a good thing like and it's also such a great debut for this character that is beloved by many yeah exactly um one of the things that I'll point out as well is that in this episode we get two new really good antagonists I think the Mandalorian apart from Werner Herzog's The Client and obviously Giancarlo Esposito's Moff Gideon has kind of been found wanting for really high quality villains. And I thought both of the, um, the characters here were really good. Obviously on a purely nerd level, it is great to see Michael Bean in Star Wars given he's such an icon of the, you know, yeah. the sci-fi genre. And then we also have the magistrate who is such an interesting character. And um, I guess one thing I kind of want to get into if we're going to talk about any of the specific villains um the magistrate was really interesting to me because obviously at the end of the episode you get the moment where ahsoka and her have their big climactic samurai style duel um and ahsoka is like where is your master where is grand admiral thrawn uh, and i kind of thought before we get into the whole speculation of where this is all going to go next I kind of have a theory that maybe she got the best Scar Spear from Thrawn, given he is such a fan of collecting trinkets from different species and planets. You know, you see that in Star Wars Rebels when he has his own little room full of different things that he's stolen. And, you know, given he stole precious items belonging to, you know, Hera's family, he also took some of Sabine's graffiti as well. It wouldn't be out of the question for him to go ahead and just steal a whole ass Beskar steel um, spear. So I don't know what you think of that potential theory. I think that's almost like well on the money. Like as um, Thrawn has said, especially through the new canon of books as well, like you can tell a lot by a person by what they keep and what they put on their walls and especially by their art. And if he's taking like the Mandalorians are like a warrior race, right? So like he's mm -hmm. taking like 
the some of the most rarest metals in the galaxy like a metal that can withstand the strike of a lightsaber and he has if you hold that weapon you have that weapon for a reason and he was someone well, what is because we don't he's obviously not gonna be dead mm-hmm. uh, someone who um has contingencies for everything and everyone and every sort of possible outcome out there and just a uh, Beskar Spear is going to be perfect for someone like a Thrawn who would have to engage a Jedi in combat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I guess, you know, I, the main question that I kind of wanted to frame this podcast around was what this episode did in terms of its implications for the future of the franchise. But also I've realized just then that we can't, um, we can't ignore uh, the whole revelation with the child and the fact that we finally discovered their name, uh, which is Grogu which is an interesting name. It does kind of sound frog-like in a way. Little um, baby Grogu. Little baby Grogu. But yeah, we learn, you know, obviously Ahsoka, I think that's such a beautiful shot as well. Sorry, when, when Mando brings the child to Ahsoka, they have that brief fight. And then we get that lovely shot of her conversing with Grogu in the moonlight. It just looks so good. And, you know, we learn from Grogu and his conversation with Ahsoka that he was actually being trained on the Jedi Temple in Coruscant, then went missing during the Clone Wars. And then his mind kind of goes blank until Din Djarin found him. Um, so this raises another question, I guess, is like, where, where did he go? Like, what happened during that gap in between the Clone Wars and when, you know, Din finally discovers him four or five years after the events of, no, even, it's nine years after the events of Return of the Jedi, I think. I can't remember how many years it is after, but yeah, it's Something a while. Like that. I also yeah. want to ask, like, the, the, I, you've got a really important question there, Ewan, but I can't, I could not <laughs> stop thinking that this was the love child of Yoda and Yaddle. Yeah, I mean, I, to be fair, Ahsoka name drops Yoda. <laughs> yeah, and I was just, I, I, as soon as they made that link to Grogu being in the temple, I first thought, where has Grogu been the whole time? And did um, Bail Organa, perhaps, or someone else mm. friendly to the Jedi help Grogu get out? I'm going to say Grogu as much as I can. Or <laughs> um, is Grogu the the child of Yoda and Yaddle this is the this is probably the scandal rocks the Jedi temple yet again (laughs) yeah and also like was was Yoda keeping Grogu in a basement somewhere because like this species we know is so rare and Yoda Mm -hmm. Yoda from past experience would know that it would take years or how 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 long is baby Grogu gonna be baby before baby can speak like we don't actually know how like how far things develop in that species yet so it's it's all it's all when you think that baby Grogu is gonna be out of the picture soon nah it's just just getting started (laughs) I mean this I can't remember now did they say that they went missing during order 66 or during the clone wars because I thought they just went I think the, the implication was that they went missing before um Ooh, i don't remember this one i can't remember that now but um yeah no the grogu stuff is obviously very interesting and you know the big revelation kind of paid off some of the theory and speculation that we've had in terms of the the, the child leading towards the dark side is that he is too attached to dinjar and for ahsoka to actually train at this point you know we've seen you know the child or grogu use the dark side of the force to protect his father figure uh, and Ahsoka is aware of that and even, you know, has a subtle name drop to, well, not a name drop because she doesn't say it explicitly, but she does mention or hint at rather Anakin Skywalker's fall to the dark side. So there's clearly yeah. a lot of baggage for her there. And, you know, Ahsoka at this point as well, she's left the Jedi Order behind. She's still a force user. And I guess she is still calling herself a Jedi in, in some respects. Um, but that was an interesting kind of moment to, to look at there because, 
Um, even though Ahsoka isn't going to train him, we know that they're going to go to a different place next, which is called Tython. And I didn't know, I didn't know this, Ben Roy. Uh, Joe actually, Joe Johnston, who edits a lot of our videos and stuff for What Culture Star Wars, he mentioned that um, that was a pivotal location in the Old Republic MMO. I've never played the Old Republic MMO. I was just doing the review and I completely just mentioned it, um, the, the planet, and I didn't realize it had wider significance. But apparently in Legends, it was like the, you know, the, the birthplace of the Jedi Order. So yeah. again, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with this place in terms of the new canon. I don't think they've mentioned it before until now, but it's still, you know, it, it's an exciting name drop for sure for fans of that game and other expanded universe elements. In the what, 10 or so books I've gone through, no, and I, unless it's been in an episode of the Rebels I'm not seeing yet, I can't recall Typhon ever being mentioned apart from that game. And it was a name sort of like you think you recognize, but I... I also haven't really played the MMO. I played the two other games for like Canon uh, and Galaxies. That was fun, but ne uh, not uh, not actual Knights uh, of Republic. And if we go in there now, it's going to be interesting because if Ahsoka knows this, I'm wondering like how many people know of this planet Typhon. Like, is this something that was known to Palpatine? Because if it was, he's going to have some sort of little secret bunker there with experiments mm. going on. Like, it's going to lead a whole other uh like realm of questions like um like how similar is it going to be to like ilum and like as in guarded or being sort of like purged and destroyed for all its like riches and things like this is going to be uh do, do you think we get like sort of an indiana jonesy sort of episode where yeah. mando is going around in a temple looking for someone next hopefully you know what maybe it's just carl katana like maybe we just <laughs> let's screw it let's just get everyone involved let's bring the band back <laughs> I love the Indiana Jones vibe for an episode. I think that would be a great idea. I'd love to see them kind of going into a temple. But yeah, I have no idea where this is going to go. And I think you raise an interesting point by mentioning Palpatine there, because we've already seen potentially some inklings, you know, of the Empire looking to use the Force in either their troopers, or whether it has something to do with, you know, Snoke and Palpatine, whatever, we don't know yet. But maybe that, you know, Titan it would stand to reason that if it is a, you know, well-known Jedi homeworld planet that they would have yeah. gone there. And I do wonder if maybe we're being set up for a bait and switch here where Ahsoka is like, put the put Grogu on that that area of the temple and um another Jedi will sense him in the force as well. But what if another force, what if another character who isn't a Jedi senses him through the force? Obviously your mind automatically wonders and goes, maybe Luke Skywalker will find him. Maybe Ezra Bridger will be involved at some point or another. Or maybe even Cal Kestis has done, you know, tripping across the galaxy looking for the Zepho and Jedi Fallen Order or whatever and he kind of has survived past that point or whatever. Um, we don't know. Maybe it is a dark force user who could potentially track him down as well. I, I think there is more weight to the idea that maybe the child is just too attached at this point to those around him to, you know, be, be a Jedi. I don't know yeah. the whole awkward thing of like attachment, you know, and love and whatever shouldn't be traits that disqualify you from being a good force user. But equally, it is interesting to consider that maybe at this point, He's been, he's gone so long without training that maybe he is going to tap into a darker energy and maybe that's where we'll see other characters come into play. Or maybe it's just the evolution of the Jedi. Maybe the Jedi will finally be allowed to like, you know, have a partner and do what <laughs> they want. Like Ahsoka at this point, she's not Jedi, but she's like, I get major like gray Jedi, like sort of vibes from now. And I think yes. they're trying to bring that 
idea into it. I think when they eventually do media past the rise of Skywalker, I think that would be how the Jedi went forward. Like I would like to imagine Jedi being in, because you're never going to get rid of them being in like the galaxy, but not being sort of like a central controlling figure, having sort of more like, more like their own place, like say on a Yavin four and like, you know, mm-hmm. sort of doing their own thing and doing like sort of like a, uh, smaller helpful work like helping citizens across the galaxy rather than sort of like sitting in chairs and being all stoic and sort of like influencing politics (laughs) yeah and and get them out of there and just keep going and and maybe maybe when this person is sensed if it isn't someone comical like i don't know dengar gets saying flash on his uh (laughs) uh little uh dashboard maybe Mm. it could be maybe it could be mace windu maybe he Oh, don't don't bring this back. Don't don't do this again. (laughs) This is the worst Star Wars fan theory ever. But yeah, no, it's interesting to see where this could go. Um, I definitely think it obviously will get payoff soon because they're going to the planet next. And the other thing I want to point out as well is that hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. From last week's episode, we haven't seen any footage of any episode after chapter 12 in trailers or anything. So we have no idea what's coming next, which is very exciting. Um, I will talk about um, Thrawn as well, because obviously, you know, we brought it up earlier. I'm zigzagging around here. I'm basically doing this podcast like some sort of Tarantino film. Um, But the idea of, you know, Ahsoka still looking for Thrawn, I'm really confused because I do not know at, at what point in the timeline because obviously this is set, what, nine ABY? I think like five years after the events of the end of Star Wars Rebels. I can't recall. Yeah. Um, and obviously, if you're aware of Star Wars Rebels, you know at the end of that show, the Ezra Bridger, who is like the main pivotal Jedi of the series next to Kanan Jarrus, um, takes Grand Admiral Thrawn into the deep unknown regions of hyperspace by hitching a ride with the Pergils, who are like these big cosmic space whales. They're really cool. Um, and the big mystery at the end of that show is that Ahsoka and Sabine team up after the end of Return of the Jedi to basically go and search for Ezra. So my question right now is, if Sabine was not with Ahsoka at this point in time, what is Ahsoka's main mission? Is she still looking for Ezra and Thrawn? Are they still missing? Or have they long since returned and 
as and and Ahsoka is looking for Thrawn in a different way. The, the weird implication that I got with her exchange to the magistrate was that Thrawn was still an influence somewhere because like we don't yeah. know what specifically she was doing on Corvus, whether she was harvesting more materials to build more Imperial ships or just basically hiding out from the Republic as a known Imperial war criminal. We don't know from that episode. So I'm curious to see how this all fits into the bigger picture and whether or not this episode has just set up a sequel series of Star Wars Rebels and whether that sequel series would be in animation like many had expected or maybe we could see them pivot to live action because, you know, I don't see Lucasfilm, given just how successful Ahsoka has, her debut has been in this episode, I don't see Lucasfilm kind of letting that opportunity go to waste. I think if you do an Ahsoka-based series, you give it live action. Mm-hmm. I, I, just, I, I, they could go back to uh, animated at some point, but like that was, I think that especially back in the day, that was more for budgetary constraints. Like that was more uh, that uh, Lucasfilm sort of like trying to the whole thing of like, well, we had. I don't know if you remember the rumors way back in the day about a Boba Fett show, but the yeah. whole thing was Lucas trying to say, well, we can't get the budget down to where we would want it, to where it would be good, and where it, you know, not just sink the company. And like that's the same how, story with Underworld, wasn't it? As yeah, well. yeah, and that's how we got uh, Clone Wars and Rebels and things. And I'm not saying that they're of lower quality. It's just that they're cheaper to make and they've mm. got a process, they've got pipelines and stuff. But with this new foray into um, uh, live action, and now they have their magical, not green screen screen to basically film whatever <laughs> they want location-wise in a studio, I could, I could see that this next thing for Ahsoka is probably going to be live action and I'm begging it to be because I just want Thrawn in live action it's been so <laughs> long, it's been so long since Thrawn has been in our lives and we've got so close and for him to not be in the bin I, feel, I say in the bin, it's just because I don't know what's going on with him and I really want to know and I'm really annoyed that I don't know yet uh, I, I think I think you, you capitalise that you have an, I think a Ahsoka spin-off thing would be the way to go yeah, because I guess there is so much with Thrawn that is left uncovered if you wanted to specifically focus on him. I mean, at this point, for all we know, Ezra, and like we said, Ezra and Thrawn may have returned to be doing their own things. And obviously with Thrawn, you have the whole Chiss ascendancy stuff. You have yes. the elements of the unknown regions, the, the Grisk or the Gursk, whatever they're called, Grisk. the evil, the Grisk. That's still a loose plot thread that needs tying up because by the time of you know the sequel trilogy, they're clearly not on anyone's I, mind. So I wonder what's I going on there. That Ezra and um, Thrawn went off and they screwed up the Grisk. That's mm-hmm. what's been happening at that time. And then maybe they're back to the galaxy now. Who knows? But I, I think that we're going to probably get a dive into that at some point, or at least in some form of book, that they're building this up. That the Grisk is some dark sort of like army power, like too far off in the distance to be ignored forever. But yeah, I, I like your point of like, who... Um, Ahsoka's looking for Thrawn. It's been five odd years. Uh, mm-hmm. She's come to Morgan asking about Thrawn and she seems to sort of still be in the sphere of the influence you said. So is he just communicating from far off? What is he doing? How is he doing this? And have they mastered uh, more like hyperspace lanes or I hope, uh, I'm not quite entirely sure what the name of it is, but those doors that they used in Rebel, what they called? Oh God, yeah, the um, the the world between worlds. I, yeah, I, like yeah, yeah. Is that going to come into play somehow? Like, mm-hmm. 
what if someone like a Thrawn masters the world between worlds or can get that done? I, I'm not sure if that's just a jelly thing. I, 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 I'm not finished Rebel, so I'm still trying to get to that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's mainly the world between worlds is mainly a thing that Ezra and Ahsoka kind of tap into. Um, yeah. It's one of the things that Palpatine is looking for. But it's an interesting theory all the same. And I definitely think that if you were going to look at Thrawn at this point, and you know, the, the anger with which Ahsoka speaks of him or the contempt that you can sense in her voice during that exchange implies that she's still still resentment there and that you know maybe Thrawn is holding Ezra or something or maybe that's why Sabine isn't around maybe something has happened to her I don't know I think the the, the curious thing about that exchange is that given what we know of Thrawn and the fact that even though he obviously did lots of hideous things for the Empire he wasn't an imperial per se you know he was mainly looking out for the chiss and trying to do it's, his own thing so yeah one evil for another like yeah. doing doing what he can to stop the empire from destroying his race or coming after him next sort mm -hmm. of thing so it's like one of those where he's not even doing it to be good he's doing it because it's the most logical thing to do yeah. sort of thing like he's a uh, i'm not evil saying Spock. <laughs> yeah I, I would just i would defend like oh well he's obviously good he's not bad because that you know what i mean like he's kind of like not doing it for the pleasure of being evil or anything like that he's doing it to save a whole nother sort of like to save the ascendancy or keep them going for a longer time yeah yeah exactly so i guess you know there are all sorts of different angles they could go with here and you know the star wars rebel sequel series has been rumored for a while now um so who knows what happens next i think the main thing is that i would definitely be down of all the spin-off shows that we've had rumored so far and one that does look like it's becoming a reality at this point in time is the boba fett spin-off series which i'm really not keen for because it just seems like such an odd thing to do i don't really i'm not really interested in the idea of watching boba fett slum it around on tatooine for like 10 years or whatever um but you know yeah. but you know i mean if it, it, it is what it is and I, I it's more star wars at the end of the day and i guess the other curious thing here as well is that you know we're now past the halfway point with season two and we have clearly got loads of stuff going on we know that there are going to be plans for season three of the mandalorian this boba fett thing might be going ahead as well um and it is curious to me. It's almost like the first half of season two is like a transitional phase for the show. And now we're getting into the big overarching narrative that will probably come into play in season three and whatever this Boba Fett prequel spin-off thing that, you know, Deadline reported on earlier in the month, whether that's moving ahead or not. I'm curious to see how it all comes together because I don't think we're going to get the closure that people expect yeah. um, season two to have when it eventually wraps up um, Maybe. next month. Sorry to jump on you. Maybe That's a limited little. series from Boba Fett. I don't want to say like five, six seasons of Boba Fett. I think it was I, described as a spin-off, like one and done, potentially. I, I could see that if it wasn't just if it jumped, like say about and like we saw some things like maybe him like come to terms of being a fail, like a failure, like just you know losing and things. But uh, limited from him, so like I wouldn't want an ongoing Mandalorian uh, sort of, sort of style thing. I would like them to focus more in the lines of Ahsoka, of Thrawn, and all that sort of bunch. Mm -hmm. yeah. but I want to see him. Where is he? Like, I'm gonna. This is gonna be the thing I say every episode now. Where's Boba Fett? Where's he gone? Where's Bill? Yeah. I mean, I'm curious. Again, I, it's weird. I don't know how they're going to tie him up back into this because it was such a cool reveal at the end, and your instant thought was that he was going to then kind of come after and get his armor back. But you know, Din still has his armor in the Razor Crest. Who's to say that Boba hasn't been tracking them for the past few episodes? That's a possibility. Do you know off the top of your head? I don't know if they've ever mentioned what happened to the Slave One either. Like, did... they haven't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually, they didn't. They didn't mention it in a 
um, any of the aftermath books, did they? I mean, you've read those, haven't you? Yeah, I don't. I don't recall any Slave One stuff in there. Only mm. that uh, there's a chapter. Sorry about uh, the now. I'm forgetting guy from episode one. Cobb Vance. Yeah, the yeah. Cobb Vance and the whole like finding the armor and. Mm. Uh, being pillaged just from got, the Just got to assume at this stage that maybe the Jawas made off with it like they did with the Razor Crest. <laughs> they just salvaged all the parts, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I have to reiterate just how good this episode is, how exciting, you know, the implications it has for the future. Um, and talking about Dave Filoni in particular, you know, he is just... He is Mr. Star Wars at this point, like, and I feel as though that really shone through in this episode. And one thing I really want to talk about as well, you know, to pivot from speculation from what's going to happen in the next season to talking about the actual makeup of the episode itself, is that I thought, aside from just the fact that it had Ahsoka, it was a really clever episode in terms of the way it impacts Star Wars's filmic origins. Because, you know, for the past season and a half, the Mandalorian has been a Western show. You know, we have a bounty hunter in the central role. It's played into those Western tropes yeah. very specifically. And that makes sense given that Star Wars as a whole, you know, owes a lot to the Western genre. But one thing Star Wars also owes a lot to is samurai cinema. And what I thought was really clever in this episode is that when the two finally join forces, you have that marriage of the two genres in one. You have the great samurai duel between Ahsoka and the magistrate, but then you also have the Western kind of high noon-esque showdown in the middle of the street between Mando and Michael Bean's character. And there were certain elements of samurai cinema that you see incorporated around the area, you know, the actual um, compound where the magistrate is that's, that's filmed almost like it looks like a, it could have been from 18th century Japan in terms of the way that it's set. You have the walkway and, and the and, pond and, and stuff. And that big gong and things. And... The big gong as well, yeah. So I thought it was really clever how with the, when we first get introduced to a Jedi, that is when the first kind of samurai elements get introduced. And obviously, you know, we had the Seven Samurai episode in season one, and obviously the Western genre as a whole basically owes its entire, well, a lot of its biggest, most identifiable tropes to samurai cinema as well. But there was certainly more pronounced this time around, and I thought that was really cool. Yes, and it was just such a nice blending, blending of styles to see the the Jedi and like, like a bounty hunter sort of team up and mm -hmm. uh, not after a bit of a scrap though. I did I did squirm when Ahsoka went for the whack and I was like I just forget that Beskar could have deflected the lights. I was like that's it, dead now sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, but to seeing them two team up was like a nice little like thing that they could have held off for another episode when they went to find. Uh, snowy spiders but they gave it to us show away and they sort of like did a nice payoff and it's just like that it's going to be up there as one of those like, memorable moments now like mm -hmm. you're going to think of like uh conflicts or fights or like team ups or just moments that I, that that for me uh is up there with some of like the better moments now and yeah. i think going back to dave filoni i think that he should be appointed in some way to like oversee as much Star Wars stuff as they can. Like the next feature films that we get, I think he shouldn't be like, you have to do this and you have to have this button there. Not, you know I mean? Like, but he has this, like, not a major micromanage, but I think like sort of narrative aspects should go for him. And yeah. I think, cause um, we have like a, there is a person who does a lot of the- Kathleen Kennedy does a lot of stuff for Lucasfilm, yeah. But yeah, not for, then we have Lucasfilm Story Group as well, which kind of makes sure one, everything is canonically accurate. I swear there was one guy on Twitter who was like in charge of canon as well. Is it Pablo Hildalgo you're thinking of? I think so, yeah. yeah. 
but um, I, I just think Filoni at the moment, his hand is everything he sort of like touched has been great. Mm-hmm. Like, and I just want to continue this sort of crazy trend. I know there's so many hours in the day that some, and there's so many times he can show off those glorious hats. But I think <laughs> these uh, are great hats. Yeah, I, I, I can't fault him here, and I just think it was a, a, a great episode. And even like throwing like. I would say thrown away by like Michael Bean being in there and mm-hmm. so like half noticing that's Michael Bean and then it, sort of <laughs> it happens. Uh, to, to think that that isn't one of the major talking points of the episode because there's so much that came out of this from mm-hmm. Grogu to what man is going to do next to Ahsoka to the mentioning of Thrawn and everything else. And we still have what the Death Troopers or I'm calling them Death Tro- Dark Troopers. I was, I was going to say, uh, to, to wrap it up, uh, just to kind of summarize all the different plot threads that we still yeah. have left to explore here. We have Bo-Katan going after Moff Gideon and getting the Darksaber back. We have um, the missing gears and the child's disappearance. And obviously Mando trying to find and return you know, I don't. I think he's going to learn not to want to return them back and to accept his status as the child's father. And then we also have Ahsoka looking for Thrawn, and now we also have the um, the Dark Trooper program as well. And then also the cloning, well, the the Force blood transfusion stuff going on. So we have a lot of different things being juggled around right now, and I'm I'm very excited to see which kind of gets brought up next. Yes, I, it's there, and there's so much floating about as you've said, and it doesn't feel like we have enough time for it. Which <laughs> I'm just sort of like all oh, juggling, but then also I'm also happy because this hopefully means that uh, Carlos Espino, Moff Gideon, is going to be around for another season somehow. Yeah, just like yeah. just a smirk and just sort of like have his little theme play a little bit, just to be a more sinister character, and maybe maybe Moff Gideon could know something about. Thrawn or some of that mm-hmm. or maybe their enemies maybe their allies there's that sort of aspect that could happen there as well um yeah where when is Boba Fett gonna pop up is he oh yeah Boba Fett as well what yeah. is he gonna what part is he gonna play in this is he gonna screw something over um uh, mm. or is he gonna not is he gonna be helpful I mean like inherently we he just wants money right that's so far but then obviously maybe he's a washed up bounty hunter and he'll get the child because it'll make him a great bounty hunter again <laughs> yeah and maybe he yeah. wants the armor that best guy yeah. but then also like why didn't he get it from the town all these uh, maybe yeah. well, Tatooine's a big place that like, we forget we treat they Star Wars a lot of the time treats planets like like cities town. yeah like <laughs> yeah. a city or a town like um we had a point where we almost had like the acknowledgement of um what's the planet from the last episode I can't remember it's slipped my mind oh uh, which which oh from last week's episode yeah. um Navarro yeah, Navarro, they was like, well, they're around this part of the planet, but it's actually still only, like, say, a couple of miles away. But it was mm-hmm. almost like, you know, yeah, planets are planets. So these these are big places as well. We have to, because Tatooine feels so small, right? It's what, mm-hmm. uh, Ben Kenobi's little house. It's Luke's <laughs> uh, burn The moisture evaporator farm. Yeah, with the burnt up remains there. And it's Moss Esper, Moss Isley, and Moss, can't remember. Palgo. Um, Palgo. Uh, I've got a terrible memory. So, yeah, <laughs> it just, all those aspects floating around and... I'd, it's just hopefully it's just going to keep ramping up now yes. I, I would say i'd say to have an episode a, a sort of like divergent episode now is going to be a bad idea unless mm-hmm. it's and uh, you can't have the ship break again you can't have certain things happen and i wonder if maybe they'll repurpose uh, the valley of the jealous I, I i'm keeping hope for the valley of the you're playing jedi jedi outcast again aren't you to be fair i'm I, playing it again i've gotten stuck on the nar shadar level because those snipers are really annoying <laughs> oh yeah I, just, yeah I went through that uh, like the middle of the last 
this this year <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but a long year god and yeah that that level was ugh. but um, no, it's, it, it's just it's nice to be excited and not wondering and sort of like not having to wait years either because we've still got a couple of episodes left so it's gonna be great i think yeah, i think exactly. i hope it's gonna be great i can't make promises because i haven't made the show yeah yeah but yeah that was basically our thoughts on the mandalorian chapter 13 as you can tell we both enjoyed it but i want to know what you all think down in the comments below if you're watching on youtube or if you can reach out to us on social media if you've been listening elsewhere that would also be appreciated too i kind of want to incorporate a q a session into this podcast eventually so if you do have questions either about this episode or next week when obviously we'll be covering chapter 14 let us know and we'll, we'll try and answer them here but always remember to um Go check out What Culture Star Wars on YouTube and subscribe because we've got loads of cool stuff coming. And remember, you can find more content like this at whatculture.com as well. And also, you can follow me on Twitter if you'd like to, at Things, And you can follow Ben Roy on Twitter at... At Grogu. No, at Ben Roy <laughs> At Grogu. I just finished reading Master and Apprentice. I'm now on to, to Star Wars uh, Alphabet Squadron Shadowfall. Uh, ben Roy's reading um, Thrawn still. Which Thrawn are you on? I finished uh, the first three Thrawn books. I'm taking a bit of a Star Wars book break at the moment. A little I'm book going break. To, going to Metro 2033. I'm going to do the Metro series and come back to see what Star Wars <laughs> has got for me. Because um, I'm going to try and not smash through Clone Wars and actually watch every episode in order, finally, like, sort of like chip it's away at them journey. again now. Yeah, uh, that's been it for us, and we'll all see you next time. Bye. Grow by. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.